We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Chris Crawford. Thanks so much for joining us today, which is Sunday, March 12th. And this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Fantrax. I am joined today by my good buddy, my Rotowire teammate, Ryan Boyer. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Happy to be with you, buddy. Let's talk some whip. Yes, let us talk some whip indeed. But first, let's go over a few headlines. And I wanted to start with first, I'm not sure how much you and Drew got to talk about it yesterday. I, unfortunately, it was a pretty busy day, so I didn't get to check out your podcast, which makes me How dare you? I know, I'm a horrible human being. <laughs> but the World Baseball Classic is going on. I am eating this up with a spoon. It's something I've eaten up with a spoon since it first started. I have just really enjoyed it. Uh, Ryan, do you like it? But most importantly... I got asked this question. I got to go on uh, the CHGO podcast with Herb Lawrence and Vinny Duper and Sean Lawrence and had a really fun time. And I appreciate those guys having me on Sean Anderson, excuse me. Uh, but does the WBC change the way you draft it all? So my biggest takeaway from the WBC is I really hope that the 84 point three mile per hour fastball that game day had for Adam Wainwright <laughs> last night. It was oh my actually a cutter, maybe <laughs> maybe even a change up. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm afraid it was not, but yeah. no. Uh, so I kind of look at as far as how I evaluate it for fantasy, I, I kind of just look at it the same as, as spring training. Um, the only thing that might change the way I would view a player, like less velocity, more velocity, something like that, which sure. unfortunately, not that Adam Wainwright's a, a high-end fantasy option anyway, but um, hopefully he can get some of that velo back. But I think it's – you kind of got to look at it through the same lens as you do spring training games. Um, maybe there's – is there a slightly heightened injury concern because they're ramping up a little sooner than normal? Maybe, but I don't know that you can really weigh that too heavily. But just as far as the games themselves, haven't gotten to watch a ton. But what I haven't watched, I've certainly seen the the highlights on Twitter and et cetera. It's such it's so much fun. Um, it's the best. Yeah, especially in you know people in the U.S. like enjoy the WBC too, but it's it's a different animal overseas whole different animal and it's yeah. been 
great for me as somebody who just has absolutely no sleep schedule whatsoever to be able to watch <laughs> Shohei Otani at 2 a.m. and watch uh, Nicaragua play at 4.30 in the morning. It, it's been awesome. I will say the one thing for me, and I didn't really consider it, is I think we always look at the negatives towards the WBC in terms of fantasy. I think there could be some positives, especially for pitchers, because I think those guys are a little bit more ready to go than the guys who are. Being, That's a good point. Yeah. And I think part of it is you can't simulate the competition factor. Like you can't simulate what all due respect to grapefruit league games. You can't simulate what is happening there compared to facing that loaded Japanese lineup or facing like just looking at the Dominican Republic lineup, which did not fare very well, unfortunately, in yeah. the first game. But it was still like, well, that guy's probably a Hall of Famer. That guy's a probably a Hall of Famer. That guy could be a 12 time all star just loaded with that stuff. If you look at Martin Perez, what a great way to get ready for the season to get to face that lineup and handle yeah. it pretty well. I think the ultimately, though, it's it's kind of a, a neutral thing. Like there's probably no real added benefit to it. I do worry sometimes for pitchers. Like if I was drafting a couple days before the WBC and I was considering a couple of players and one was participating and one wasn't, particularly pitchers. Mm -hmm. maybe the other guy goes a little bit higher than the other but yeah i mean i think it's i think you it probably is going to affect some people but trying to figure out who exactly that is i think is kind of a fool's errand right yeah so yeah yeah but it's you know what i really hope we can figure out uh even more fun ways to incorporate this into fantasy baseball because i I just love this tournament so much it's so great i wish it was that a different time maybe it would be better maybe at the in the middle of the season good luck convincing mlb owners to stop a season to play a two-week tournament but i am having a blast with it let's just quickly go through some headlines right before we started recording unfortunately starling Marte was returning from his groin injury and i believe you ryan you even pointed out it was a double groin injury i believe yeah Um, he had tendons reattached to both sides of his groin Ouch. <sighs> Having sympathy pains is the absolute mm-hmm. worst. Uh, unfortunately, in his first action back, got plunked square in the head by an Elvin Rodriguez fastball, 93 miles per hour. It's weird to say, thank goodness it wasn't a, like a 99 to 100 mile per hour pitch. But, you know, with a lot of people throwing that hard, that yeah. is something that unfortunately can happen. Fortunately, got to play the waiting game. Ryan, if you're drafting today, is this some, are you more, obviously you're probably more concerned about coming back from the groin injury than the head injury as hopefully that doesn't sound morbid, but that's kind of how you have to play it. Right. Yeah, probably. I I have injury concerns generally with Starling Marte. He's just sure he's getting into his mid thirties and a guy that's relies so much for his fantasy value on his legs. He's coming Mm -hmm. back from double groin surgery or, core surgery or whatever they called it but right. yeah it seems we're it seems like we're still waiting for maybe we'll have an answer by the time um some of you listen to this to this podcast or watch the replay but uh was able to walk off under his own power so that's something um sure. maybe that's a good sign obviously he's gonna have to go through concussion protocol and all that so definitely something to keep in mind i, I mean i think if you're drafting like right now uh, all you can really do is probably use that as maybe a tiebreaker and go with the other guy if you're considering right. Marte versus someone else. 
Yeah, and I, unfortunately, and I, I hate using this term because it, it just doesn't sit right with me, it honestly could be a, a benefit to your fantasy baseball team that something like this happens because, you know, we hear about an injury and unfortunately people get scared the day of and then they can end up being just fine and he ends up being a, a five-category helper. So here's hoping that's what's happening too because Marte is an awfully fun player to watch, but there is no denying that there's injury risk and you're definitely going to want to pay attention if you've already drafted him or if you're about to draft to see what's going on uh, with the concussion pro protocol. Uh, someone who returned today, Joey Votto, playing first base and hitting second. He has missed all of spring training thus far with a a couple of things. He had a, a torn rotator cuff and he also had a biceps injury. Now, Joey Votto at one point, Ryan, was a potential first-round fantasy pick, and those days have kind of gone a long, long time ago to be uh, to just point out how old we are, really, that Joey Votto was, not, was at one point a first-round selection. Are you considering Joey Votto at all in, let's just call it redraft, because obviously in NL only there could be some value there. But like in a standard 5x5, five five, is Joey Votto someone you can consider? Um, standard, a 12 team. No, uh, first base is so deep that I don't think you need to go to go that to that length. Sure. I actually did take him in TGFBI with one of my last mm. picks. Nice. Um, it was a pleasant surprise to me that he actually came back today. I was not expecting him to be ready for spring game because I was already kind of counting him out for opening sure. day, but yeah. I mean, if he's playing on March 12th, then I would think he's got a shot to be ready. Uh, they could always ease him in in the in the DH spot for a while if they need to. Right. As far as his fantasy outlook, I was all over him actually coming into last season. Um, mm -hmm. That didn't work out so well. Uh, he was yeah. great in 2021. He kind of completely changed his um, – Trying to think of the right words, <laughs> how he wanted, how he was going about his his yes. hitting, uh, yes. sacrificing contact, going for more power, and his exit velocities went up, home runs went up, um, and he's such a cerebral kind of hitting savant that I believe, yes. like if he if he talks himself into doing things a certain way, I think he can accomplish that. <laughs> but you know, Father Time, as they say, is undefeated. So yes. It could be the beginning of the end, but I think, you know, if you're talking about, like I mentioned in TGFBI with the, you know, 15 teams and 30 round draft, right? I'm fine throwing a dart at him late and see what happens. In, in those type of leagues, it's kind of hard to find people you're not willing to throw a dart at, <laughs> right. to be completely sure. honest with you. But sure. And I will say this if you're playing in an on base percentage league, yeah, he's not the same draw 130 walk type of guy player but he's still a guy i think who can get on at a decent rate and hitting near the top of the cincinnati order should create some run uh situations i'm not exactly in love with the middle of that cincinnati lineup but i could see him being a a stash in real deep formats but if you're playing standard 12 five by five league i think you pretty much have to wait and see if joey Votto is for real uh Kodai Senga was diagnosed with tendonitis in the base of his right index finger. Now, he's saying that everything is going to be fine. He expect, he even said that, I believe he said that he, if this was a regular season game, he would have started. He was scratched for obviously on Saturday because 
nobody's going to take any chances at all in spring training with anything injury related, especially fingers with pitchers. Why take that risk? Uh, and assuming he's okay, Ryan, I, I think this is a guy that I've been asked about a bunch for fantasy, and I imagine that you have too. Is he somebody you're targeting, or are you taking more of a wait-and-see approach? I have not ended up with him in any leagues yet. Um, I would say I would I'd probably fall under more of the wait-and-see. Uh, yeah. I mean, the finger thing is interesting because you saw that it could – there's speculation that it could be related to the ball – Right, uh, this with a smaller ball in in Japan, mm-hmm. um, and as we know, he is known for his ghost fork. They call it, yeah, which of course involves spreading your fingers over the edges of the ball. And if the ball is bigger, it could be a legitimate adjustment for him. Absolutely, um, way more difficult with a bigger ball, without question. Yeah, I mean, not only just the action on the pitch, but just you know, his fingers and hand getting used to, to holding the ball so much like that. And maybe that really is what caused the issue. So, you know, what you, I'm less, I, I would say I'm probably less worried about the actual finger injury than I am. Maybe he changes his mechanics slightly to compensate and that could lead to some kind of arm issue, but you know, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not weighing, did a ton at this point. Um, I think he has ample strikeout upside. Also, I should also, should also point out he's going to be starting on a uh, shorter rest than he's used to as well. So we have to factor mm-hmm. that into it. Um, yeah. The upside I think is quite big with him, especially in this, from a strikeout perspective, but uh, probably follow more into the wait and see thing with him. Yeah. I'm in the wait and see mode as well. And it's, if he's falling into the deeper portions of draft, then, wait and see how quick I pick him up. Like there, there's no question that there is upside with that ability to miss bats, but I think there's a lot of volatility here. I can see a wide range of outcomes for him. And also, well, I would say the Mets rotation is deep, but of course everybody on that rotation is hurt, including Jose Quintana, which is, they're still, if this one's weird, Ryan, they, they keep saying, wait, we're waiting for more information. We're waiting for more information. And if some of it was because his flight was delayed, but this is still a weird situation. I am out on Quintana from a fantasy perspective, uh, just my personal opinion. Um, Quickly, uh, Chris Sale. This is a weird one to me, too, because everything has been about the buildup and how he's back. Maybe he's back. He's ready. And then it's announced today that he will not be starting opening day. And apparently this is a decision Alex Cora made a month ago. It looks like Corey Kluber, Red Sox legend Corey Kluber, is going to be making the opening day start. (laughs) I don't know what to make of this, Ryan. It seems like maybe they're just trying to give him maybe a few extra days to be ready for the start of the season. But this is weird. And based on, look, the past three seasons have scared me a little bit with Chris Sale. Should I be? Should I be worried? I don't think so. I guess you you're more worried about that than I am. Uh, him not starting opening day, uh, not too concerned about that. I'm actually incredibly encouraged by what we've seen from him so far this spring. Same. Um, hitting 95 miles per hour regularly with his fastball. Results have been good. He says he feels great. Hopefully, he's not planning to uh, go in any more bike rides over a rough terrain. I, I believe that's how he yeah. broke his broke his wrist last year. Right. Um, 
but you know, I don't know what to expect from a workload perspective from sale, but I feel pretty good about when he's on the mound, he's going to be very good. Um, and you can still get him around like round 10, round 11, round 12, maybe in a 12 team league. I think that's sure. pretty good value. And it, it could be slipping after this news comes out today because people like me who are, you know, chicken little and get nervous anytime that the, the a little piece of the sky starts to fall. It's just weird to me because you would think that, and you can manage Chris Sale's innings, whether he starts the first game, fourth, fourth game, 25th game, whatever. So it's just odd to me that they're like, hey, by the way, this guy is not going to be our opening day starter. Odd. <laughs> if Alex Cora is telling the truth, and you know what, maybe Alex Cora doesn't exactly have the benefit of the doubt with telling the truth with me sometimes, Ryan Boyer. To be completely Ouch. honest with you, either. Ouch! I'm so, not. I'm it, not going to go down that rabbit hole. That's fair. We we already have an hour podcast. We don't want to make it an hour forty five. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I'm not worried. I'm still drafting Chris Sale probably right around that eighty fifth to ninety fifth pick, something around there. That totally makes sense to me because you're you're mitigating risk, I think, if you're taking him that late and still have the upside for incredible rates when he's on the mound. But it's just such a weird announcement to make on March 12th to be like after how good he looked that he's like, oh, by the way, he's not starting opening day. Um, let's talk about a category that I think uh, Sale could do pretty well in. And we're going to be talking about the whip category. And the first thing I want to ask you, Ryan, should whip be one of the standard five categories? I'm fine with it being one of the standard five categories. I mean, it's it's been a while since we've um, figured out that there are much better ways to measure a pitcher's effectiveness, both from sure. you know, whip perspective and ERA perspective is what the main categories we use for fantasy. But I mean, I, I would I would rather if you're making me pick one of the two, I would rather pick whip over ERA. I mean, I think. You know, chances are if a guy is posting a really good whip, he's quite good. Maybe yeah. there's some bat of ball luck in there, but I'm fine with using that. I think it's a it's a pretty easy one to calculate, and uh, it, it it makes sense to use it for fantasy. I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm fine with it too. It's certainly the it's probably the second best of the five in terms of like the actual judging results to me. Like there's, there's so much that can go wrong with ERA. There's obviously so much out of the pitcher's hand when it comes to the win category. Is there some stuff out of the category for whip? Yeah, of course there is. And there is some proof that it can be a pretty volatile category that guys who are among the league leaders sometimes don't necessarily rank among the league leaders the next year and vice versa. Yeah. And part of that has to do with just the fact that there is batted ball luck in this sport. But I'm fine with it. It's certainly you can do better. Uh, I, I talked to we have kind of a running joke that Ryan and I keep thinking that innings pitched is one of the standard five by five categories. <laughs> I personally would kind of like innings pitched to be one of these categories because I think that's a true testament of, you know, how well a player is doing. You know, if they're getting a lot of innings, unless they're playing for like the 2003 Detroit Tigers, there's a pretty good chance that they're doing well. And I do think that we 
need to value innings more as we not to be an Sandy, old man Sandy Alcantara just moved up your your draft board. Oh, hey, I took Sandy Alcantara very very high in uh, a few of my drafts. Um, in fact, in my deeper dynasty draft that we just did, he was my third round pick. I am extremely all aboard the Sandy Alcantara thing. But yeah, I I think that WHIP is a perfectly cromulent category. Can you play around and find some other stuff that's better? Yes. But in terms of standard categories, uh, there are quite a few that I'm probably moving. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we are going to look at some players who might. First, we're going to take a look at the leaders in the category from last year, take a look at some players that we'd be looking to fade, and, of course, looking for those sleepers that everybody is looking for. The fantasy baseball season is underway, and there's no better place to play than underdog fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, underdog has MLB best ball tournaments live, including the Dinger, which has $500,000 in total prizes. In best ball, all you got to do is join a contest, draft your team, and that's it. There's no waivers, no trades, and no in-season management. Draft 20 rounds of players, and you get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup. Three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex each week of the regular season. Getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with the promo code RWMLB, and not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to 100 bucks, but you'll also get six months of our RotoWire subscription for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWMLB. Draft your 100,000 Dinger team today. And if you're looking to customize your fantasy league, play a variety of formats, we cannot recommend Fantrax enough. You create the scoring systems that you want to play with, you, the waivers, the categories, the scoring system, the schedule. Fantrax offers an ability to customize all of that and more. And the best part about Fantrax is it's free. I am in several Fantrax leagues. The league I just told you about where I drafted Sandy, that's a new league that I'm starting on Fantrax. The ease of play is second to none. So whether you're playing Redraft, Dynasty, Keeper, or any other format that I haven't thought of, Ryan probably has because he's a little smarter than me, but any other format that you want to play, the place to do it is Fantrax. I, we cannot recommend them enough. And here's about another cool thing that they're doing too. If you sign up for free today, you get to be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr., all you have to do is go to fantrax.com slash rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X.com slash rotowire. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. We love Fantrax, right, Ryan? Sure do. It's the best yeah. best place it's, to have your league. It is. It's so easy. Like It's so nice to just like hit a button and create stuff because I am not only not good at things, I'm lazy, which is a terrible combination. Like not being good at things and not willing to work at things, very bad. But Fantrax makes it so both of those things are hidden. Maybe they're actually doing me a disservice by being so good at this stuff. But <laughs> it is nice to be able to just set, forget, and Fantrax does it all. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, let's look at the leaders from last year of the whip category, Ryan. Justin Verlander had a .829 whip last year, which is just a hysterical figure. Um, for somebody who had missed the previous season, it's a hysterically low figure for anybody, but 0.829 at number one, Zach Gallon number two at 0.913, Shane McClanahan fourth, 0.926, you Darvish fourth at 0.95, Tristan McKenzie right behind at 0.951 in fifth, Julio Urias at 0.960 in sixth, Aaron Nola 0.961 in seventh, Corbin Burns eighth at 0.965. Sandy Alcantara, Ryan, who for some reason just doesn't like him very much, at ninth at .98, and Alec Manoa rounds out the top 10 at .992. Ryan, that's a list of pitchers who are really, really, really good, and I would not be surprised if we saw a pretty similar leaderboard next year. Yourself? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't – Verlander, I mean, you mentioned it. Uh, That's hilarious. Zero that point, is, 39 yeah. year old coming off of Tommy John surgery. It's <laughs> not normal. Just crazy. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a, I would, I would expect a lot of those guys to, mm -hmm. uh, to be back up there. I, I don't know that we can count on Zach Gallon putting up a 0 0.91 whip again. <laughs> yeah. Um, a billion man. scoreless innings in a row tends to help you with, by the way, <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I could actually, I mean, I know you're joking about Sandy. I, I could see him f affected a little bit by the 
shift restrictions because sure. he's very grumble, tends to get the ball in the put, tends to get the ball put in play quite a bit. Yeah, and the Marlins defense not so good. Luis Arise not not exactly a uh, doesn't not exactly known for picking it at, at second base, but. I still think he's going to be. I mean, I think Sandy's going to be fine, but yeah, a lot of those guys I, I would expect to be back on that leaderboard again. Sure, absolutely. So let's take a look at some players that we don't necessarily are going to be in the top ten, but do have a chance maybe to help in that category more than they're being drafted. I wouldn't call these guys quite sleepers because I think all of them, with the exception of actually one, are going fairly high in drafts. But uh, Ryan, why don't you start us off with my? Uh, my good friend Waluigi, and tell me why you're targeting that guy. <laughs> uh, Dustin May. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think the I think the breakout is finally coming for Dustin May. Eleven mm-hmm. percent um, walk rate last season, but that was post Tommy John. He also dealt with a back issue. He's got a career walk rate of six point eight percent. Very, very good, and he's had some issues. I guess it seems it always it always seems like he should be striking out more guys than he has. Mm-hmm. But we saw a glimpse of that strikeout breakout in two thousand one before he blew out his elbow, and he was able to strike out all those guys while still ma- maintaining that elite control. Um, his ADP is floating around 150. I know that he's going to be on in- innings restrictions, and the Dodgers we can't count on them just sure. letting their guys pitch, you know, without any reining them in. But I mean, May's got all the ingredients of just an elite starter. I think it's just all about staying healthy for him, and hopefully, this is the year. Um, I'm certainly betting on it. Yeah, I am too. And he's somebody that I think is being that ADP to me is way too low. And I, I get it a little bit just because of the reasons that you've mentioned. He hasn't, he wasn't like he returned and looked great. And then he didn't look that great towards the end, but it was such a small sample and you can't deny the stuff. It's funny that we were concerned that that guy was going to miss bats. Not me personally. I'm perfect. I've never made a mistake. But some people, and Ryan's never made a mistake either, but there were some people who were like, is he ever going to miss bats? And yeah, he's going to miss a lot of them. And you remember at the also- very beginning of, sorry to interrupt, but do you remember at the no, very beginning of, speaking of Verlander, his career? Yeah. Like he struck out like well under a batter per inning his, yep. his rookie year, and we're like, oh, like he, his stuff looks good, but is he ever going to strike out enough guys? I don't know. Oh, he. I think that guy figured it out. So I not think, that I Dustin May is going to be Justin nope, Verlander, you but you, you've called him Dustin <laughs> Verlander is what you just did. Dustin, basically. Dustin Verlander. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, kind of a similar, but not similar. Nobody's really similar to Dustin May because again, that guy is literally a Nintendo character uh, watching him on the mound. And this guy certainly isn't a sleeper. He's going 103rd overall in average drafts, but I want to highlight George Kirby because I think this guy could be a whip, like constant stalwart throughout his career because this guy does nothing but throw strikes. He finished in the 95th percentile and walk percentage last year. And even that's a little bit misleading because he got a little tired at towards the end. And I think he was maybe working on some stuff where he issued like three or four walks in 
like three of four starts to end the season for a guy who was walking absolutely nobody for a while. He commands everything and he has very good stuff as well. He has a five pitch mix. I like the Seattle defense behind him. I don't love the middle infield to be completely honest with you. Although Colton Wong, by all accounts is going to be a much better defender uh, than he was last year. Uh, made some mechanical adjustments, which you hear more about with pitchers than you do with hitters. But Colton Wong certainly has a long-term, Ryan, you know as well as anybody, of being a very good defender last year, I think, is an albatross. But I really like the Seattle Mariner outfield defense now, especially on the days where T. Oscar Hernandez is going to DH, and I think that's going to be quite a bit. But Kelnick and Julio give him as a guy who's going to get the ball in the air a lot too. They can chase that down just fine. I really, really like George Kirby, and I have to say he would be the second Seattle Mariner starting pitcher off the board for me behind somebody actually we're going to talk about in a little bit, and maybe Ryan and I will have to fight in Temecula for just a second. But he would be that second arm, not Logan Gilbert, not Robbie Ray. George Kirby would be the second arm for the Seattle Mariners that I'd be taking. So uh, I don't want to say we're going to fight a little bit on this guy too, Mm. but – I agree with you from a whip perspective with Kirby. Um, his control is just immaculate. Yeah, it's impressive. Um, I do worry a little bit. Uh, he might be a little more. The sum is better than the the parts. Am I saying that right? Interesting. Um, yeah. Like I see him when I watch him, like the stuff looks really, really good. The metrics don't love his stuff. Baseball savant actually classifies him as throwing six different pitches last year. Um, None of them had a whiff rate higher than 26.5%. And that was actually his four-seam fastball, which that's a pretty decent whiff rate for a four-seamer. But the breaking pitches really don't get swings and misses. Um, So, you know, I could see him maybe being a slight disappointment overall because of that, unless he can figure out how to get more more swings and misses, but like you mentioned, the control is just so, so good that I think it's going to be good regardless. And let me clarify this too. This is the reason why George Kirby's never going to be an ace is because mm-hmm. none of those secondary pitches are ever going to be plus plus there. There's nothing here. That's going to be 70 grade on the 2080 scouting scale, but he's even with a low whiff percentage of 15%, he was still in the 62 second percentile and strikeouts and uh, well above average and expected ERA and all of that stuff because he commands everything. And that fastball is so good and very hard to square up. So, yeah, I do agree with that, that like if you're expecting George Kirby to be a the next uh, ace of the Seattle Mariners, no, that's probably not going to happen. But he has such a high floor that I don't think it matters that he's not an ace that second or third spot in your starting rotation is something I think he can settle into for a long time. Uh, Ryan, who's your second name on this list? Um, I got Nick Lodolo. Mm. So last nine starts last season, 2.75 ERA, 0.90 whip, 67 to 15 strikeout to walk rate in 55 and two thirds innings. He went very curveball heavy down the stretch. Um, and you know, we mentioned, I mentioned 26.5% whiff rate for Kirby for that was his highest of all his pitches. Lodolo's curveball had a 46.5% whiff rate last year, mm-hmm. uh, expected batting average of one Oh six. 
So, you know, I think he's found that recipe for uh, what can work for him. He's also sure. got like elite, like horizontal movement on his pitches. Like it's crazy to look at the, the stat cast pages on that, on that, that stat. But, you know, he had not great control in the majors, but if you look back at his minor league track record, that's not so much an issue. Yes. Um, admittedly, it's a relatively limited minor league track record because he made it to the majors very quickly. Very yeah. Yeah. But I don't think control is going to be a major issue for him. And I think he's going to limit the hits to a pretty good degree. I think he's going to be really good in strikeouts. And I think he's ultimately going to be a, a good whip guy as well. Yeah. I think one of the things that he's kind of figuring out how to harness the movement that he's added to his pitches. And I think yeah. that's one of the reasons why that walk rate was so high, especially earlier on in the year is he's kind of figuring out how to throw strikes. It's kind of what reminds me a little bit of what was going on with Matt Brash now to a much lesser extent. Matt Brash had absolutely no idea where anything was going as a starting pitcher as in the bottom one percentile in walk rates compared to the 18 that you just mentioned with Lodolo. But I like him a lot. My only concern is I don't love the Cincinnati defense. I don't love the Cincinnati park. I don't love the Cincinnati chili. It is just the one thing that gives me a little bit of worry with him, but I do think he has a chance to be a good one. Um, this guy is somebody that Drew mentioned, and I hate stealing from Drew. I mean, I, I like actually stealing from Drew. There's many things I've stolen from his house, but I don't love stealing his players usually. However, he mentioned Drew Rasmussen as a potential sleeper for ERA, and I think he's somebody who's being very undervalued in drafts and has a chance to be very good in whip. Like his fastball spin is so impressive. 95th percentile ended up on baseball savant, 79th percentile in his curveball spin. He not only throws a ton of strikes, he was in the 84th percentile in walk percentage, but he gets hitters to swing at pitches outside of the zone, 90th percentile. Does he give up some hard contact? Yes. Is he a strikeout artist? No. But he initiates so much weak contact. And I'll bet you he's better in the strikeout percentage next year just because I think that stuff is so good. And I know people are always hesitant about drafting the Tampa Bay starters. I think we got to get past that a little bit. This is not something where you're going to see the three and done type thing. I really, even if Drew Rasmussen was only pitching three innings at a time, he'd be somebody that I'd want because I think the rates are going to be really good here. So the funny thing about Rasmussen is he's actually he actually showed much better control as a starter than he did as a reliever yeah which kind of it's kind of Weird. kind of strange it's usually uh, the it's usually the opposite for sure yeah and you know uh, I, I guess we can probably relate that to being on the raise to a certain degree they probably cleaned up his mechanics a little bit um they're decent at this yeah they they, they know what they're doing so I, I think the track record is long enough at this point that we can trust him to be very good at throwing strikes. And I'm with you, you know, the stuff looks pretty good to me. I think the strikeout rate could, could come up a little bit, but you know, as far as whip goes, I think he's a pretty, pretty safe bet from that, from that perspective, because that control is just so good. Uh, another guy I wanted to talk about, uh, Jordan Montgomery. Mm, who does he um, play for? <laughs> The St. Louis Cardinals. Yes. Yes. I'm a Cardinals fan. We talk about it on every, every podcast. Chris is going to keep bringing it up. Yep. Anyway, Jordan Montgomery, uh, walk rate in the 87th 
uh, percentile or higher in two of the last three seasons. Guy has great control. Strikeout rate hasn't been great, um, but he did have a 12.9% swinging strike rate in 2022, which was the 11th highest mark in baseball. It's actually been higher than that in the past. I think it was like 13.7%, something like that in 2021. Um, Throw strikes, has the potential to get more swings and misses, I think. And even if he can't quite take that next step from a strikeout perspective, the St. Louis defense behind him is going to be fantastic yes um so i they're gonna suck up all the ground balls and you know i think jordan montgomery has the potential to take it to the next level but even if he doesn't the control is so good i think he's going to be a very good option from a whip perspective um and you know from a narrative outlook he's in a contract year yeah Uh, He's had a little bit of a durability concerns at points in his career. So maybe that's going to be less of a concern in his walk year. Uh, That can be, that can happen. So I'm I'm a big fan of Jordan Montgomery where he's going in in drafts right now. Yeah, I am too. I think that he has a chance to be a well above average starter and certainly a contributor in this category for a little bit. He's kind of a little bit like the left-handed version of Rasmussen as a guy who, throws a lot of strikes, and gets hitters to swing at pitches outside of the strike zone. And those guys tend to be pretty darn good when it comes to the whip category. Let's go into the players that were fading. I hate fading this guy because he's one of my favorite pitchers to watch. Um, I, I desperately want to have a meal with him. I think he maybe needs to have a few more meals, to be completely honest. Tristan McKenzie. And it's not because I don't think he's going to be a good starter this year. I just think that what he did in 2022 isn't necessarily sustainable. This is a guy who has very good stuff, but not great stuff. This is a guy who has the ability to throw strikes, but he's not Greg Maddox. He does not have elite command. I'm not a huge lover of the Cleveland defense behind him to be the infield's fine. Uh, I have some question marks, honestly, about everything that's going on around there. I love the extension he generates. I do love that he's able to get people to swing and miss at pitches. So, yeah, do I think Tristan McKenzie is going to have like a 1.5 whip or something like that? No. But do I think he's going to be anywhere near the top 10 leaderboard? I got to tell you, I don't. Uh, Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if the control improvement he showed in 2022 sticks because he was quite bad from a walk perspective in 2021. It's a Robbie Um, Ray-esque improvement. It's the first thing that comes to mind is that that was a massive jump. And also, like Robbie Ray, McKenzie gives up a ton of fly balls. Um, He is, you know, I I don't want to say mastered. Maybe mastered is a a good way to describe it. The ability to induce kind of weekly hit fly balls, which limits the amount of home runs. He For a guy who gives up as many fly balls he does, he hasn't had major home run issues, at least not recently. Right. and maybe that's going to continue with uh, the ball supposed to be deadened again in 2023. Maybe that's the recipe that he should stick with. Um, but, you know, for me, mostly it's going to come down to how sticky is that walk rate from from year over year. Um, I think it was like 4.4 per nine in 2021. So, you know, he, can, he, he can't come close to approaching that and become an asset sure. in whip. Yeah. Um, That's a great point. You know, 
speaking of guys that have had issues throwing strikes at times, mm-hmm. I know this is going to upset you. I know. One of the guys I'm fading, at least from a whip perspective, I'm already mad, is Luis Castillo. Uh, 7.3% walk rate in 2022, but his walk rate pre-2022 is 8.8%. He led the National League with 75 walks in 2021. Whip in 2022 was 1.08. Pre-2022 was 1.22. That's a lot of two twos. Yes, it is. Hopefully uh, that that came through okay. But I love, you know, they – he threw uh, more four, four seamers and fewer changeups last year. Yes. Luis Castillo did, uh, which is interesting because his, I mean the the changeup has kind of been his claim to fame. I know some right. some metrics don't love that pitch, but I watch him live, and you know, yeah, I don't know why metrics wouldn't <laughs> love that pitch because it's a beautiful, beautiful pitch. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe that is a big factor in why his control improves so much. Maybe he's, sure. you know, when he can't get people to chase that change up, it's not going to go for a strike more times than not. So I don't know, maybe, the, maybe the control improvement is for real. Um, but I, w- I look at the track record and while I think Luis Castillo is going to be very good in 2023, I think he's probably going to be more of a, I would bet on one one five to one two whip somewhere in that range, which is adequate for fantasy. Not going to be elite like it was last year. I think that's totally fair. I'm a huge fan of Luis Castillo. Ryan and I were talking about before the podcast, and I talked about this a little bit with Drew when we were going over the ERA stuff. That he'd be my Cy Young pick this year if you were going to make a bet in Vegas, just because I think he has pretty favorable odds. It was sixteen to one the last time I checked. But I do think that the whip category is one that he's closer to. If you're talking about a five category pitcher, I would think he's closer to a four category guy because he does have issues with throwing strikes. He has a lot of movement on his. Well, three, three, unless he's going to get some saves. Oh, well, I do think that that category doesn't actually exist. And I've already (laughs) talked and we're not going to do it. We're just not going to. No, we'll do it. I'm sorry. We're going to do it. Um, I think that's a good one. This is another one that kind of hurts my heart because. I love watching this guy pitch too. Unfortunately, it looks like I'm not going to get to watch him pitch for a little bit. But even when healthy, I'm kind of fading Carlos Rodon a little bit, in particular in the whip category. I think he's always going to miss a ton of bats because that fastball slider combination is just disgusting. It's unfair. Should be illegal in 37 states. It is unfair. I can't imagine being a left-handed hitter going up against that dude. But even right-handers, it's just not fair. But he does have some tendency to overthrow and get into walk rate stuff. And he was only in the 52nd percentile last year. You know, his expected ERA was still in the 92nd percentile, even with that. But he does give up some hard contact. He doesn't have my favorite defense behind him in New York. Even with when healthy, I think Carlos Rodon can be a guy who is just as good a pitcher as he was the previous year but doesn't have same results because I do think he's going to have some self-inflicted damage in 2023. Yeah. I I think I'm a little less concerned for when he is healthy. I do not have 
much faith that he's going to be healthy. Um, already dealing, already dealing with a forearm issue. And as we know, he's dealt with plenty of arm related issues in the past. Um, the walk rates over his career, not great, especially from his early on in his White Sox days. Last two years, it's been fine though. Um, and I think he's, he's, the stuff is so good that I think that he could keep the hits low enough that even if his uh, control is more average, I think he's going to be fine it, from a whip perspective when healthy. But again, you know, not terribly confident that that's going to happen. Um, so maybe maybe he's not elite in, from a whip perspective, but I think he could still be fine. Right. And the, and the uh, reason I brought him up, and it's the same reason, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's the same reason we brought up McKenzie and brought up Castillo. I don't think any of us are expecting these guys to be atrocious in that rate. It's just repeating the same success over the next season. And sure. it's what could make Carlos Rodon instead of a top 10 starting pitcher closer to like, a top 15, top 20. And we're talking about rates now too, because I have real doubts that he's going to be, obviously he's, they've already said he's going to start the year on the, on the injured list, but I have some doubts about whether or not he's going to be ready until like later in the season, because forearm stuff scares the crap out of me. And I will let you continue with a former Mariner. I believe is who you're going to talk about. Very short former Mariner though. Yeah. Speaking of uh, injury concerns, I have some for Freddie Peralta, Um, you know, 0.99 0.99 whip the last two years, but prior to that, 1.28 whip. Uh, velocity was down in 2022. He's dealt with some shoulder issues. Even when he has been healthy, there's been some workload concerns. He doesn't pitch terribly deep into games. Um, you know, he's been so good at limiting the number of hits because the stuff is good that his whip has been quite good overall the last couple of years but if there's just a little bit of slippage in stuff and i think there very well could be if his shoulder is still bothering him the like the velocity as i mentioned was a little bit down last year he, he his control even when he's been great has not been good so right if he's not elite in terms of giving up hits i think the whip has the potential to hurt more than help um, I don't know. What do you think about Freddie Peralta? Yeah, I'm all the way out. It's just too much risk that doesn't come with enough reward. Like I know how great he was just a couple of seasons ago, and there were some flashes of it last year too. Just can't trust it. Can't trust him no. to stay healthy. And I'm not a huge fan of that that Brewers team, which I picked to win, like go to the World Series. I think like three years in a row. This will not be that year. So I'm going to congratulate them on their World Series win. Congratulations, <laughs> everybody! Have me at your. Can you imagine how much fun a World Series uh, parade would be in Milwaukee? I, it's hard, you have to imagine it because it hasn't happened. But broth and cheese for everyone. Oh my gosh. Dude, cheese curds. Like, if if you have cheese curds, man, Ryan and I talk about cheese curds all the time. But yeah, there's that sounds like yeah, that sounds like a good recipe for me. But unfortunately, I am out on that guy. I'm also out on this guy, and it's not even close to the same type of stuff. And it's one of your St. Louis Cardinals, Miles Michaelis. Look, that guy pounds the strike zone, and that it's to be commended. And he actually does a pretty good job avoiding barrels. And again, I like the St. Louis defense just fine behind him. Hard pass. The the stuff is just not great. He's 34 years old. 
I can't trust hitters like this, uh, pitchers like this. I can't. If you want to have him on your NL only league, and if you want to stash him in a deeper league for matchups against, especially like teams that have terrible patience because he can just take advantage of those things. I'm out on Miles Michaelis. I think he's kind of the definition of a better real life pitcher than a fantasy one. And I'm sorry, there's just there's too many good options that actually can miss bats and actually get people to swing and miss for me to go after pitchers like him. I'm sorry, Ryan. I'm very sorry. Allow me to defend the mustachioed Miles Michaelis. Doing some alliteration for you, my friend. Thank you. you, Um, So uh, totally fair that he, he, you might view him as a better real life pitcher than a fantasy pitcher. Um, I do think the whip's probably going to be fine though. Like, like you mentioned, the control is so good yeah, and the defense behind him is so good that I think they'll, if there is some hard contact given up, I think they could make up for that. Um, to a certain degree, maybe he's not going to be elite from a whip perspective. I kind of think he'll be quite good, though. Um, Interesting. But he's not going to—he's not going to get you strikeouts. You need to look elsewhere if you're looking for that. But if we're looking from a, a whip perspective, probably in innings—not innings. There, I'm I'm throwing the innings thing in again, like you did. Thank you. From yeah. a from a wins perspective, because um, he does pitch pretty deep into games usually. I think he's going to be fine. Uh, this he's more of a floor play than a ceiling play for sure. Yeah, I, I, I totally get all that, but I just look at a pitcher who was in the bottom five percentile and whiff percentage, the bottom 32 and chase rate well below that. And K expected batting average, expecting slugging percentage all below 40%. I just don't see it. I, I, you know, he'll have you he'll and your, type you of, and your statistics. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I, here's the thing. I'm hoping what this is, is it's a way for Miles Michaelis to absolutely dominate in his WBC run. That is what I'm hoping for. I'm rooting for USA. I'm hoping that this negative stuff becomes a freezing cold take and he just dominates. Because I don't think Adam Wainwright's going to be dominating anybody based on uh, what I saw. <laughs> I know he only gave be, up that one run. It would um, be such a bummer for many reasons if Wainwright just kind of limped to oh, the finish line in his last, last season. Yeah, me too. Because I, 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 mean, I hope that doesn't happen. Even if you're not a St. Louis Cardinals fan, I think everybody likes Adam Wainwright. I don't he's think there's anything to dislike about him. He's so um, – already, Rotowire, let's hire that guy because <laughs> he'd be so great for we're, podcasts and stuff We're, like we're that. already asking him to be a guest on our, our podcast in, oh, please and in 2024, yeah. we know. Oh, he'd be so good. Um, Ryan, <laughs> you came up with a list of some kind of deeper sleepers uh, quickly. Um, you know, we're, we've got time, but – quickly uh, run through uh, for the, the four names that you listed as some deep league targets for the whip category. Sure. Let's burn through these guys quickly. Um, <laughs> Brandon fought speaking of uh, guys with great control, mm-hmm. 5% walk rate in the minors. I, I did a kind of a deep dive into his game log and in 2021 and 2022, Across 51 starts, he had more than two walks three times. And all three of those times, he only had three walks. Yeah. So, I mean, the control is just fantastic. Um, You know, you can speak to this 
a little more than me. I, I have seen some people say that they're a little worried that the fastball might not be as effective at the major league level. I know the that some people don't like the shape of it. Um, they think it could be get hit harder at the at, at the major league level. Uh, I, I look at the numbers though, and I see a guy who just piles up strikeouts, doesn't walk anyone. You know, he looks like a guy who could be a whip asset right out of the gate. And I think he could be in the Arizona rotation sooner rather than later. Give me a quick uh, rebuttal with that. No, I totally agree. And and yeah, there's, there are some concerns about the shape of the fastball. It's why he's considered more of a top 50 prospect than like a top 25. And some people might have him a little lower than that, but it only needs to be an above average pitch. And I think it can be that because his slider and change are plus and his command is pretty close to plus plus throws everything for strikes now again if you take a look at the strikeout numbers they are a little more based on deception than pure stuff do not expect this guy to be um an elite i believe he led minor league baseball last year in strikeouts on top of throwing everything for strikes what an incredible year for a guy who was drafted in the fifth round of 2020 uh very nice job by the diamondbacks and their staff and getting this guy and developing him very very quickly out of division two bellarmine um but I do think that he's going to be a real asset in the whip category and good enough in those other categories to be fantasy. And I do also think that there is obviously an opening in that rotation for him as well. Sure. All right. Moving on to the next guy. I got Aaron Savali as a whip uh, contributor. If you're looking uh, past pick 300 or so last 10 starts last year, he had a three ERA 0.86 whip and a 53 to seven strikeout to walk rate in 51 innings. That'll play. Yeah, sure will. Went curveball heavy during that stretch. Uh, that pitch had a 45.1% whiff rate last season. Expected batting average, 138. Savali has a career walk rate of 5.8%. It's a guy that always has thrown strikes. Uh, if he's found that recipe to go curveball heavy, I think he could really be an asset from a whip perspective. Uh, another guy, Bailey Falter, looks like he's pretty much – unfortunately cemented into the Phillies rotation now with the, with the Andrew painter injury, uh, 4.7% walk rate in the majors. And guess what? He also had a 4.7% walk rate in the minors. So that control is elite elite. It's got a low nineties fastball. The stuff is not outstanding, but he actually ranked in the 100th percentile in extension. That's an interesting stat cast. Uh, sure. A stat there so that mid low 90s fastball is going to play up if he can uh get on top of the hitter from that from that regard so a guy who is going to throw strikes um i think he could be a pretty solid whip contributor one more guy hayden, hayden wisneski he came over uh from the yankees to the cubs in the scott efros deal a, a trade which especially after scott efros had tommy john surgery i'm guessing the yankees Wish they could take back. They could use a little more rotation depth as well. Sure. Um, last September for the Cubs, Wisniewski put up a 2.18 ERA, 0.94 WHIP, 33 to seven strikeout to walk rate over 33 innings. Uh, he had a 7.1 percent walk rate in the minors. Really good slider. He has um, kind of uses that as his primary pitch, or at least he did down the stretch for the for the Cubs. You know, we've seen. Adrian Sampson talked up as the uh, 
favorite likely for the number five spot in the Cubs rotation. He did do well last year for them, but he's also had a horrendous spring so far. Don't know how much the Cubs are ultimately going to weigh into that when they sure. pick a number five starter, but Wisniewski, at last check, I don't think he's given up an earned run yet so far this spring. The stuff is certainly better than Adrian Sampson, so if you're if you're digging deep, that's another guy I think could be a, a whip contributor. I like that a lot. And at the very least, Samson's leash is going to be very low just sure. because they do have arms like him behind him. Uh, one guy I just wanted to mention real quick is, uh, since we're talking about some sleepers, one guy I'm kind of fading is technically a prospect. I like him a lot in real life, and I like him for a lot of categories. I don't love Hunter Brown for the whip category, and I get asked about him a lot, so I just wanted to talk about him real quick. The stuff is legit, like significant, significant upside can miss bats with three pitches. Two of those are plus plus. Cadrone was pretty bad, and he showed it in the majors last year in a very small sample, seven walks in 20 to third innings, but he showed it in the minors as well. 45 walks in 106 innings is not good. I don't have the walk percentage in front of me because I'm just not that prepared of a host, but I know that that's not good. I know that a walk nearly every other inning is not necessarily what you're looking for. I like Hunter Brown to be a guy who can help in the win category if he's in that rotation because the Astros are so good, and I think he's going to miss plenty of bats. But the whip would be the one thing that I have concern about because there will be some self-inflicted damage. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. That's going to do it for us today. Uh, we want to thank our sponsors real, again. Real, real quick, oh, real, please, quick please, real quick, please, please. quick, quick, yeah. quick interruption. Yeah. Uh, the Oscars are tonight. Quickly, give me a. Who's going to win Best Picture? Who should win Best Picture? Uh, I know, I know you fancy yourself a, a movie buff. I, yeah. I do myself as well, but unfortunately, yeah. there are a yeah. ton of movies I still need to see, so I don't feel qualified to answer this question. But uh, I think every, you do. So. Every, yeah, and uh, I did a podcast with a certain guy talking about him not too long ago. Um, everything, Everywhere, All at Once is going to win. Uh, okay. the, the second, if I was putting a uh, sleeper, I would keep an eye on All Quiet from the Western Front just because it dominated the BAFTAs, and that can be often a very good um, preview. Uh, what should win, my favorite movie of the year was RRR. It was a three-hour movie from India that not a lot of people watched, but I had an absolute blast with it. I think it's phenomenal. Of the movies that are nominated, I would go with Banshees of Inrasheen. Um, I think it has the best performances, the best directing, certainly the best screenplay of any movie I saw this year. But uh, yeah, Oscars are fun. I uh, I am glad you brought that up because it's an excuse for me to talk about movies. Now that's <laughs> going to do it for us. We want to thank our sponsors, Underdog Fantasy and Fantrax again. You can follow me on Twitter at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. And you can follow Ryan at Ryan P. Boyer. Stay tuned all week. We've got a bunch of really good stuff coming up. Once again, we're daily. It's amazing. Please hit like, please hit subscribe. We really appreciate it. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.